Today on Lessons for Living, the teaching ministry of Mark Ballmer, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel, Melbourne in Melbourne, Florida. First of all, if I'm going to worship God, I have to worship Him in truth. Now, who is truth? Jesus Christ said, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. So you cannot be worshiping God if Jesus Christ isn't your Lord and Savior. There are many churches today where people are worshiping, they say, God. They may be going through the motions, their hearts may be sincere, but they're not worshiping as true worshipers. Imagine you're asked to make a list of the things the Lord has blessed you with. What would it mostly consist of? We may have many material blessings, but nothing compares to the biggest gift of all, salvation. We are called to be good stewards of our bodies and our homes, but all those temporary things will eventually pass away. The Lord wants to nurture our spirits, maturing us and cultivating our hearts. Don't be distracted by material things at the cost of your spiritual well-being. We're meant to live eternally with the Lord, not to live briefly and fade away. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 19, verse 39, for the conclusion of our message entitled, The Stones or Me? Which will it be? As I said, those people that were really probably knew this were the ones who had seen Jesus do all these miracles. And no doubt there were people there, and I believe probably Lazarus was there that day, who had been raised from the dead. Now those people are there and saw him dead all those days and then be raised to life. You're not going to raise God because of what he did for Lazarus. You're going to think, who could do that? Who, who could raise somebody from dead after all those days? That's God. So they're actually really worshiping God. And by the way, as we talk later, that's the primary purpose of worshiping God. For who He is, not what He does for us. Is there a difference? A vast difference. For who He is, talking about His character. Then the last group, turn in your Bibles from the book of Mark there, just back to the book of Luke, chapter 19. The last group we see is a very interesting group. There was another group of people watching this celebration. Well, this is where the Pharisees are. They're not in the middle with the fronds going, oh, hallelujah. They're on the side, and they're watching all this excitement, and they're getting more nervous by the moment because the popularity of Jesus is incredible. Well, what do they say to Jesus? Look at Luke 19, 39 and 40. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, notice how they approach him, teacher, has nothing to do with Messiah. Teacher, rebuke your disciples. In other words, the Pharisees are saying, shut them up. And Jesus replied, I tell you, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. That doesn't mean a lot to us. But if you've been in Israel, Israel is nothing but stones. Everywhere, there's stones. Every piece of dirt you dig up, stones, stones, stones. Now, Jesus says, 
if people won't worship me, then the stones will cry out in worship. Do you believe God could cause a stone to cry out in worship? Sure he could. I mean, if he had a donkey talk earlier, he can cause a stone to do it, can he? He can do it. I mean, look at your life. Look what he's done in your life. It's been impossible, hasn't it? Some of you are like stones out there. You know who were stones in this case? The Pharisees. Lumps on a log. Sitting there, not involved in the worship at all. And he's trying to challenge them, really, because their hearts were hard. When you come with a hardened heart, your worship is useless. So Jesus says to these guys, "Uh uh-uh. If I have to, the stones will cry out. And if you'd been in Israel, like I said, to hear all those stones cry out, what a choir that would have been. Now, where do you fit in? We've given you five groups of people. People that are chronically just miss the worship or miss everything else because you're always an hour late to something. Is that you? You don't want to be late to the rapture. Change it now. Change it now. The next group are people that are here and they're going through the things, but they really don't have a clue. It's good you're here. You're a seeker. That's wonderful. And it is going to be strange to some of you. We'll talk more about that later. Just keep coming. God will change your heart. Others are here, and we, we've come this morning because we have a big need. And that's the only reason I've really come. Well, God knows that, but remember, you're not interested really in the God that can meet your need. You're interested in the God who is great. Some of us are here, and we worship for the right reason, because of the greatness of God. And then maybe you're a skeptic here. You totally came because you had to, because your wife or cousin or son or somebody, and you don't want to be here. God can soften your heart. If he can cause a stone to cry out, he can soften your heart. Now, let's go turn over in the book of Romans, chapter 1. Everybody is a worshiper. Some of you might say this morning, well, I'm not a worshiper. I don't worship at all. I don't know what you're even talking about. Well, in the book of Ecclesiastes, you're turning to Romans 125. Let me just tell you what Ecclesiastes 3 says. God has set eternity in the hearts of men, yet they cannot fathom what God has done from the beginning to the end. So what that verse says is from Solomon, God has put eternity in every single person's heart. So that means you're a worshiper. You will worship someone or something. You cannot get away from it. God has put within you the requirement to be a worshiper. Now, Satan knew that. Satan was a worshiper of God originally. Did you know that in heavens? He was the choir leader. He was the worshiper until he said, I will be God. And he then substituted worshiping God for worshiping self. That's exactly what we see in Romans 1.25. Let's read it together. And Paul is talking about these people who have given up on God and turned to their own ways. He said, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. So Satan blinds our eyes often to what true worship is. And I find myself worshiping things, my possessions, my job, money, my children, even the church. Many of the colleges you'll go and you'll find that professors are worshiping one thing, their intelligence. Not God, their intelligence. And God says they've been blinded. 
They've removed that which should be worshipped. And if you go all over our world, in fact, we're finding more and more and more of it in the United States. Some people today and this weekend will sit down to a little idol. And they'll worship an idol made with hands instead of the God of the Creator. Timothy says this, in the latter days, and we're in the latter days, people will be lovers of self rather than lovers of God. And that's exactly where we are today. We're a worshiper of God. We're not a worshiper of buildings. We're a worshiper of the Creator, who is God. Who are you a worshiper of this morning? So you are a worshiper. Well, what is true worship? By the way, anything you worship other than God is worthless worship. It's useless in your life. So let's see. Turn to Psalm 145 quickly, if you will. What is true worship? What does it mean to be a true worshiper of God? Well, we get that word in our English from an old English word called worth-ship. Worth-ship. Which means someone who is worthy of reverence and honor. We even have trouble with those words. Reverence and honor, which is speaking about the God of our heaven and earth. Worship refers to the way we acknowledge God's worth. Then the way our knowledge of God affects the way we live. You see, worship is not limited to something that comes out of our mouth or some kind of, a, of an external kind of act. But the bottom line to worship is that it must affect my lifestyle. What I'm doing with my life. That's what worship really is. Psalm 145 says this, I will exalt you, my God the King, I will praise your name forever and ever. Every day I will praise you and extol your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and most worthy of praise. His greatness no one can fathom. Notice that gives us a definition of true worship. True worship is first centered in the greatness of God. David there isn't asking for something. He's focusing on the character of God. Not what God has done for him, but specifically the character of God, that he's great. As you get up, the Bible says his mercies are brand new. God is faithful. He keeps his promises. That's the God that you worship. So worship, first of all, is not man-centered. It's not centered on me or or person in a church or you. By the way, it is not, listen, music-centered. It is God-centered. Let me read to you out of the book of Isaiah. To whom will you compare me? Or who is my equal, says the Holy One? Lift your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? Who brings out the starry host one by one and calls them each by name? Because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. When you think you're big, think about who God is. Tonight, go out and look at the sky. See all the stars. When you see the stars, get your calculator out and get ready. Try numbering them. Your calculator doesn't go big enough. You can't even see that much. And God says he puts them out one by one and he names them. And then he says, notice what he said here. He said, not one of them is missing. How many of you have trouble with missing things? Look down at your shoes right now. You might have two different kinds of socks on. That's happened to me. How did it happen? 
I don't know, because I miss socks. You know where they find them? You always find them behind the dryer. Or the washer, don't you? They, they just get there. And you look and you wonder, what is this kind of day? I have trouble with things. God puts every single star every night into place, makes sure it's exactly right, names it, and knows where it's at. Now, what are you worried about? What are you worried about? Well, there's this little detail in my life. What are you worried about? The God, the character of the God, I just told you, Isaiah says, whom are you going to compare to him? We worry because we look at us and we think God's like us. Aren't you glad God is not like us? God is not get up in the morning and go, hey, where did I put Pluto? I don't know what happened to it during the night. Let's go find it. Angels, go find it. Jupiter, where are you? No, he knows exactly and it's, it's always right, isn't it? When you come, there'll be a sun time and it goes down the night perfectly on time. He doesn't have to reset his clock and go to Greenwich. God is time. Actually, he's outside of time. Greater than you and I can even comprehend. So what are you worried about? So the first thing is true worship is always centered in the greatness of God. Secondly, true worship is centered on God for his spiritual blessings to us. Ephesians 1.3 says this. Don't turn, I'll read it to you for time's sake. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. What is the greatest spiritual blessing you've ever received in your life? It's salvation. How long are your bodies going to last? Getting bad already, aren't they? That's right. For some of us, there's not enough cream, is there? Not enough dye. Not enough bigger pants, whatever. It's just not there. We're out of here. How long is your spirit going to last? going to last forever. It's going to last forever. So the greatest blessing that I can praise God for, after I praise Him for His character, is my salvation. But we forget it. But God's heart is to give us spiritual what? Blessings. And the greatest blessing He wants to give us is salvation. For crying out loud, that's why Jesus is going to the cross. It's for the whole reason. So that you and I could be free. Some of you are not free. You couldn't ever worship God because He isn't even in your heart. And that's the greatest thing that's going to happen. So let's remember that. Third thing that we find out with worship is this. True worship is finally centered on God for His material blessings to us. Now you know, the book of James says, every good and perfect gift is from above. So everything that you have that's good in your life has come from who? You say, well, no, I worked overtime this week, and that's why I got it. Who gave you the breath to work overtime? Who provided the job? Who gave you the skills? Where did you... You got it. It all goes back to God. So God is not against us asking for things or thanking Him for things. He, he wants us to do that. But that should not be the primary focus. Now, how and where do we worship? Turn in your Bibles to the book of John, chapter 4. Since I'm going to be trying to worship God for his character first, and then for the spiritual things he's done in my life, and then lastly for the neat things that I might need or the needs that I might have, because he says I'm, I'm to ask him for those. How and where do I do this? Now, in the Old Testament, worship was always concerned with animal sacrifices being offered. As you would walk in that day in Jerusalem, the Passover week would be filled with animals being sacrificed, centered in the town of Jerusalem. Well, Jesus came, and just before he came to Jerusalem, on his three years of ministry, he met a woman at a well. And what he says to her is this, there's a new phase of worship coming. I'm coming to die and be resurrected to bring a new kind of worship into the church. It's not going to be like the Old Testament, around 
sacrifices because the sacrifice is going to be me. John 4.24 says this, True worship must be in spirit and in truth. So Jesus says to her, God is spirit and his worshipers must worship in spirit and in truth. Now that word worship there in the Greek literally means this, to turn toward, to kiss, to turn toward God and away from self. So worship, that word means an intimate relationship. What is God saying there? First of all, if I'm going to worship God, I have to worship Him in truth. Now who is truth? Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. So you cannot be worshiping God if Jesus Christ isn't your Lord and Savior. There are many churches today where people are worshiping, they say, God. They may be going through the motions, their hearts may be sincere, but they're not worshiping as true worshipers. Don't be taken back by people's ads in the paper that say, all face welcome, come and join us. They don't believe in the God we believe in. They don't believe in the Jesus we believe in. Don't get tied up in that kind of gist. They're there worshiping. People get mistaken. They're darkened. Paul warns against false religions. Be careful. So everybody that's worshiping under the auspices of God is not worshiping the God we worship. You have to be careful. So the first thing you see there is truth. Now the woman that Jesus met at the well was not being truthful with God, with Jesus. He said, go get your husband. She says, I don't have one. That was a half lie. She didn't have one because the guy she was living with wasn't her husband. And then she had had five divorces. So Jesus is saying to her, really, you must worship me first of all in truth. Well, what does that mean? It means this. When you come to worship God, if there's sin in your life, you're not really worshiping God. Because you must first of all worship Him in truth. You're saying, I love you, Lord, and I serve you first, and you've just lied, or had an affair this week, or stolen, or been on the net in places you shouldn't have been, You've yelled at your spouse or your kids or there's anger. You name it. So when we come into worship, the first thing you should do corporately is say to God, cleanse my heart. So Jesus is saying you have to worship in truth. In other words, if you're going to be truthful in worship, you have to be somebody who admits that you've sinned. David says, search me, O God. Know my heart. There's some things there that I need to correct. Secondly, you have to worship in spirit. Well, what does that mean? You're really spirit. So we have people that are worshiping in truth, but nothing, nothing comes from their heart. They're going through the forms, raising the hands. Maybe you come from another church where you kneel a lot or whatever. Or if we kneel here, or again, we raise our hands or we clap or sing or whatever. We're doing all this and nothing comes from the heart. It's not from the spirit. It's not really true worship. So what Jesus is saying, and in fact, many times in the Old Testament, Jesus said, I'm sick of your worship. You're offering all these sacrifices. They're all over the place. Smoke's going up and you guys are living sinful lives. I'm sick of it. Stop it. Get your hearts right with God. So see, I can't tell you about you and you can't tell about me, but God can. So I have to get my own heart right. So I must worship him in spirit and in truth. God the Father is looking for people who are true worshipers, worshipers from the heart, not people just going through the motions of worship when nothing is happening in their spirit. Now, turn over to the book of Hebrews 13. 
How do we express true worship? We're going to do this very quickly. How do I express true worship? Well, first of all, I express true worship through my praise. There are many ways to use my body externally to praise God. It comes in two areas, private worship and public worship. In Hebrews 13, verse 15, it says this, Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of what? My lips that confess his name. Now, write these psalms down. You'll have to look them up later. Psalm 47, 95, 96, and 100. 47, 95, 96, 100. There are many ways to worship and praise God. And in those psalms, here's what you'll find. I can shout. I can clap. I can sing. I can dance. I can use instruments. I can bow. I can lay prostrate. I can kneel. There's lots of ways And there's many more than that. I can be silent. I can raise my hands. There's all kinds of ways to worship God. Now, in the privacy of my own worship, I can worship any way I desire, as long as it's biblical. Now, in the last few years, we've had some worship in some churches that is not biblical at all. Unbiblical. Make sure that your worship matches the Bible. You can't be doing things that don't match the Word of God. So, privately... I worship much more outwardly than I do publicly. So, when I'm mowing the lawn, my wife can attest to this, I'll put a a great CD on or whatever, and I'll put it on and I start mowing. And man, I'm out there just mowing and singing loud and whatever, and my wife will come out, will you shut up, the neighbors are over here, hearing you singing. I'm just enjoying it, man. I'm all out praising God while I'm on the lawn. In fact, if I could have a remote one, man, I'd be real, just let it go. I'd just be following it along, praising God. But in church... I'm a little different. Now, why is that? Here's why. In corporate worship, here's two words you want to write down. When we're here together corporately, you want to write these two words down. Form and freedom. Form and freedom. In public worship, we must always remember that our external forms, the way that I worship God, are number one, not to draw attention to myself, and number two, not to be a distraction or to stumble somebody else. So, what we try to do here at Calvary Chapel is this. Privately, you should worship God however you desire, in any way, shape, form. My dad used to lay prostrate quite often as he studied for sermons. In his office, nobody would see him. I saw him because I was a son. He didn't do that publicly. Because see, many times, if we're not careful, we'll do things publicly to try to draw attention to how, quote, holy we are. God doesn't go for that. On any Sunday... That we worship Saturday night. Here's what we want at Calvary Chapel. You can always bring a friend and they can sit in the worship service and go, this is okay. It may be strange if they see a drum or they're looking for the organ. Don't you have enough money to buy an organ? What's wrong with this church? (laughs) Or the music might be a little loud, but they're not worshiping here and somebody, and they go, who is that that just came by me here? What what happened to that? How come they're running over there and going, and they're scared and they never come back to hear the truth of the word of God. So what we're trying to say is this, form and freedom. So when you're here, you need to understand that we need to be free to worship. Pastor Mark outlined for us the stumbling blocks that our flesh encounters on our journey to achieve true worship of the Lord. We must acknowledge the position of God over us, understand his material and spiritual blessings, 
worship in spirit and truth and through praise. Ultimately, our lives are living sacrifices to Him, the ultimate spiritual act of worship, reflecting a heart for God and a commitment to His truth. Facebook and Twitter have become a regular part of our everyday lives, and we want to be sure to encourage you to check out our Facebook page and Twitter feed. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links. You can find information about everything that's happening at Calvary Chapel, Melbourne. Again, to like our Facebook page and subscribe to our Twitter feed, log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com. Next time on Lessons for Living, Pastor Mark will continue teaching from Mark chapter 11. At the moment where Jesus stops at a tree as he's leaving Bethany, he will have an encounter that will, on the surface, appear to be about being hungry and finding no food. But his words will go much further than that. Pastor Mark will thoughtfully highlight the necessary characteristics of a fruitful Christian life. We wish we had more time today, but we will have to pick up where we left off next time as Pastor Mark continues teaching through the book of Mark. That's next time on Lessons for Living. 